This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are Rebecca Daly. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. And yours truly, Jamie Bowler-Raup. Here today to talk to us from Gestalt Community Schools is Director of Network Inclusion, Culture, and Equity, Carrie Jackson. As a former classroom educator herself, Carrie is acutely aware of the needs of students and families. In her role as Director of Network Culture for Gestalt Community Schools, she leads the NICE team through ways to engage the whole child and whole family, which in turn impacts the whole community. Please join us as we welcome Carrie. Welcome, Carrie, to Meanwhile in Memphis. Hi. Hi. We're so excited to have you here. I'm very excited. All right. So as we explore the education ecosystem in Memphis on Meanwhile in Memphis, we're taking a look at the innovators and changemakers who are helping to shape the education sector for the better. Will you share with us a little bit about the Gestalt Community Schools, what sets them apart and why community is part of the name? Absolutely. So I'll start kind of with the origin story. Uh, during Cisnet and Yetta Lewis, they actually founded Gestalt Community Schools in 2011. Um, the first school, however, was in 2008. Uh, they started it in Hickory Hill hmm. with 125 sixth graders. And they just kind of saw a need for education and development in that community. And uh, it's huge to think about how education can help build better communities and so that's mm-hmm. kind of what their their goal was as well as thinking about um community itself in the name gestalt what it means is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and so thinking about how we can come together as an education um, institution and begin to give back to the community and use the community as you know it takes a village that's something that everyone likes to say and we believe that so not only are we giving back to the community but we also build off of its strengths cool that's awesome about how many um students do you guys serve now about 2,700. We wow. have, yeah, we have five schools. Uh, actually, we have a K-8 school now. So we actually have um, one elementary in Hickory Hill. We have one high, one middle in Hickory Hill. And then our Southeast campus is in a K-8 school now. And um, we're really excited about that. So five schools, 2,700 scholars, and um, we're really excited to continue to expand. That's awesome. That's so special to be such a community-centered organization. Your work that you do as the director of network culture, can you tell us a little bit about that and how mm-hmm. that supports the the work of Gestalt? I love that title. That's a, that's Absolutely. a great title. <laughs> well, it's actually even cooler than that. So it's actually the director of NICE. Okay. Ooh, ooh. So it's Network Inclusion, Culture, and Equity. And I have to give credit to the implementation manager of the NICE department, Mark Connell. He came up with that when uh, we started this program two years ago. It was just he and I and Miss Lori, who's our um, 
manager of um, community and family engagement. And he and I were working and we were like, we need a name. We need a name. And I mean, we were throwing all these different names against the wall. Nothing would stick. Mm -hmm. And one morning uh, he texted me. He said, hey, if, you know, we call ourselves Network Inclusion, Culture and Equity, we could be nice. I was like, I I love that. Perfect. Love a good acronym. Yes. And now we have like our little tagline. The nice team always has something nice for you. And it's just so exciting to be building this. But our work supports the academic side because, you know, if your basic needs aren't met, hunger, sleep, safety, you cannot focus on academics, mm-hmm. right? So our department works to make sure that SEL and DEI is something that lives and breathes in all of our schools and that it's not just owned by the school counselors, but it's owned by the custodians. It's owned by um, the security. It's owned everybody in that building speaks that language and that um, if a scholar is struggling uh, emotionally, they have a trusted adult in anyone that's in that building. And um, our work is a nice department is is educating and also helping to support the whole child including the family as part of that whole mm. and for anyone listening who might not speak the language can yes. you give us what the sel and dei stand for yes absolutely so sel is social emotional learning um it's kind of what we would remember from school is uh character education when we talk about uh social awareness self-awareness decision making things like that and then diversity equity inclusion that's dei so you know having a sensible belonging and being culturally aware and competent, um, knowing your own personal biases and things like that. Those are things that have such apparent values, but can you speak a little bit about social emotional learning and how that was impacted by the pandemic and post-pandemic? Absolutely. So (laughs) actually, this department came from that. Uh, So in the heart of the pandemic, when everyone, you know, was Stuck at home, uh, we found that not only were the scholars beginning to struggle with that isolation, but so were their parents. So were our teachers and our administrators. And from that, we started the program. It started off as just a pilot where we were running our wellness programs and sessions through Zoom. So we were doing yoga on Zoom. Oh, my gosh. uh, All types of stuff over Zoom. And um, it was just a way for us to find connection during that time and, and try to be well. But what we found was that there was an overall need um, for families and scholars to have that. And it needed to live outside of school and in the homes as well. And, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people were just struggling just for being isolated, but also having those different needs, you know, when you don't think you can find toilet paper mm-hmm. or water or, you know, so, um, it was just important to to teach not only our scholars, but our families different strategies to cope with that, um, as well as our uh, our teachers as well. So what, you know, you mentioned the wellness resources that you provide. What what are those? Yeah. So, j- OK, so I'll start with school. So in our schools, we use curriculum just like we do with academics. Mm-hmm. So our kinder, our K-5, they use what's called Leader in Me. And um, it's a curriculum that talks about, you know, how does iron sharpen iron? How do you listen first to understand, then to be understood? So all of those basic skills. And then um, our secondary schools, 6 through 12, use something called Naviance, which uh, it builds on those things. But it also starts to talk about college and career readiness. So they take these different tests to kind of know what are my interests? What do I want to do after school? In, in college, um, they can actually fill out college applications through that 
um, portal as well. And um, that's kind of what we do as a school uh, with the counselors. And then, you know how I said it is part of our DNA. It lives in the walls. Teachers also own SEL, social emotional learning. So they uh, use a curriculum called Move This World, which is really cool. It's just a 15 minute lesson. It is um, techno- it's on a computer. Our children are one to one. They have their laptops, but the teacher, they show the video and it teaches SEL through movement. So you might it might tell you get up and, you know, make a circle or, you know, dance or do these things. And in that, then they reflect um, and have class discussions on, you know, how did that make you feel and things like that. So everyone's owning that in the school. We also um, instituted something during the pandemic for SEL, our daily check-ins. We use an app called Rhythm. And basically every scholar, if they're present at school that day, they check in first thing in the morning. You come in, you get breakfast, you log into Rhythm, and it is just a pulse check. How are you feeling? Is your mind clear or foggy? Um, how are, are you sick? Did you not sleep well? Did you not eat breakfast? And again, getting back to those basic needs. So um, what's exciting about that is teachers get to see that, right? So if someone is saying I'm struggling today, oh, they're not going through the entire day feeling that way. A teacher can check in with them or refer them to a counselor or a social worker. All of our schools have social work licensed social workers. Um, and, uh, it's just exciting to have that as a tool. I, I, I was a classroom teacher for six years and I mean, it's like, I couldn't imagine how much more effective I could have been and impactful mm-hmm. to scholars if I'd had that, uh, to start my day, you know, um, but just making sure it helps us meet their needs, but it also does something for scholar agency, right? They're learning to advocate for themselves. They're able to say, you know, I'm not feeling well today, or, you know what? I had an argument with my older sister in the car. So just give me a minute, you know, and, and they really do learn from that, how to advocate. Uh, we had in our first pilot with that, uh, 30% of scholars to turn around and say, I have increased self-worth. From this, you know, being able to say this is how I'm feeling and having an adult check in on them from that. Yes, I love that. I love all of this. This is so great. This is something that adults need. (laughs) Okay, so absolutely. Our teachers also check in on rhythm. And so we have the scholars who check in and then teachers check in on them and then teachers check in and then principals and administrators check in on them like, hey, I, I had a death in the family, you know. How can I support you? So then the principal knows, you know what, I'm going to relieve them for a moment or I'm Mm -hmm. going to reach out and make a referral to one of our counseling partners in the community. Sweetgrass is an amazing a community partner of ours, Sweetgrass Consult Counseling and Consulting. They do a phenomenal job with our families and our teachers. Um, but I mean, it's not wraparound services for us. It is literally our infrastructure. Like it is in everything we do is as far as making sure that our our all of our stakeholders are are well. It sounds like that like humanity is really valued. Like I'm not just seeing you as a as a teacher or a, a scholar that is going to do your work and show up and then leave. I'm seeing you as a person who has Absolutely. needs and love that. Absolutely. We, one of the things that Gestalt says is that all of our scholars will be known, loved, and educated. And in order to do that, in order to truly educate a child, you have to know them. You have mm-hmm. to know, like, 
how do they do in math? Okay, you know, individualized learning, right? But then they also have to love them. Like our scholars, some of the things they say in their rhythm sometimes just, I just want to tell my teacher I love them or, mm. or I need a hug, you know? And it lets us know that they feel loved. And, you know, when, when you feel loved by someone, you want to make them proud. So it helps with the classroom engagement and, and productivity in the classes, um, as well as... Um, for adults, we say that all adults in our um, community need to be known, valued and accountable. And so we uh, have a deep um, love for all of our stakeholders and our staff members. But we really love radically. That's one of our strands of DNA. Uh, and that actually came from some interviews that uh, we had done. And when we heard that, I was like, when I heard it, I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is gestalt, mm-hmm. like love radically is huge and it it is so true that's just so impactful that you are building community in the truest sense and when you talk about uh, loving radically can you talk a little bit about how you do that with teachers through the zen rooms oh my gosh yes absolutely so when i when you know how just mention about rhythm so let's say I'm a principal and I have a teacher who's kind of dysregulated. They're not feeling well. Or they have a migraine or, you know, they're just having a rough morning. Our Zen rooms, all of our schools have them. It's basically kind of a quiet getaway, a reset room for the adult. Because, again, in order for them to be productive, they have to be mentally and physically well. And so our Zen rooms are spaces that uh, they have a water feature. They all have fountains. They have uh, Himalayan salt lamps in there fidget spinners, yoga mats, yoga blocks, a yoga dye, um, aromatherapy, all of the different scents that do different things, you know, chamomile, lavender, mint, uh, eucalyptus. And you can go in and reset. You set the timer. There's also a sound machine. Um, But you go in and you can just kind of reset, even if you just need a quiet place to take a phone call or make a doctor's appointment for your child. Mm -hmm. Like all of those basic needs, just making sure that we're removing barriers and giving our, our staff those resources resources and they love them. Uh, 65% <laughs> of our teachers report that they've used them. And I can tell you every time I go into the buildings just to check, you know, hey, do we need to replace the essential oil? They're always in use. So it's just exciting to see them utilizing those resources and knowing that there was a need um, need for those things. It's great that you're taking care of them because our teachers are truly the most worked members of society, I feel like right now, oh or one God. of the most. Absolutely. Um, and we just appreciate them. We and, appreciate them so much. And mm-hmm. yeah, and with anyone in our community, you can't pour from an empty cup. Absolutely not. And and as you've poured into your teachers and then they are pouring and infusing that back into the classrooms, how does social emotional learning benefit traditional academics? So, you know, like I said before, um, just by having the basic needs met, you already are going to hit a lot of those things, right? But also, you know, studies have shown most scholars, they grow like 11 percentile points um, academically from that. And um, also just, like I said, the social emotional learning also helps with that agency, right? So building the skill for a scholar to be able to talk to a teacher about their grades and say, hey, I see that I struggled on this standard you know, can I come to an extra day of tutoring or, you know, or even saying, hey, my peer is struggling, but this is something I excelled in. 
I need community service hours. Can I help them? You know, um, but it it does a lot. It goes a long way uh, with perseverance and resilience, which is something we know that children need, uh, especially with social media in today's society. So, you know, it's just important that they have that skill, but just that resilience and perseverance when I, I did this math problem wrong. Okay. I made a mistake, but I learned from that mistake. Let me try again. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the biggest things is that piece of them being able to make mistakes and learn from them and just having a culture of error in all of our schools. Oh, I like that culture of error. Like it's a, it's not a bad thing. It's something to be ashamed of. Exactly. It's part of life. Right, exactly. Right. Absolutely. I need to embrace that more in my <laughs> life. I, I notice how, how thoughtful you are in language and the way you speak about your work and the way that you all speak about your programming and your scholars just for instance using the word scholars instead of students can you talk a little bit about why that's important yeah well so first off our um mascot we're the knights um (laughs) and it's so cute because the little bitties they're squires oh yes (laughs) (laughs) um but when we talk about scholars you know it's more than just being a student Uh, a scholar someone who owns their own education And they take responsibility for their own learning. They seek out, you know, information. They seek out help and things like that. So when we talk about them being scholars, it kind of gives them ownership over it. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody can be a student of something. But in order to be a scholar, you have a passion around something in particular. And for us, it's it's education and, and learning. Language matters so much. Mm -hmm. And and I think that is case in point. Um, But giving especially children, a language and a vocabulary for themselves to be able to advocate for themselves is just setting them up for success in so many categories. Um, You do a lot of work in the classroom, but does all of NICE's work take place in the classroom? No, um, actually, some (laughs) of the most exciting work uh, takes place outside the classroom. So, you know, I spoke about how we got our start um, during the pandemic over Zoom. Right. So we offer things like gratitude journaling, yoga. What else did we do? We did a few online cooking classes. That was pretty fun. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And uh, but. From that grew our our larger programming where we offer things outside of school like we did our gratitude journaling this year we did at the Lichterman Nature Center. And it was called Sweet Treats and Gratitude. So we roasted s'mores and had hot cocoa. And again, we partnered with Sweetgrass to do that session on gratitude journaling. They learned about the health benefits of gratitude. And actually how to show gratitude. And some people actually need to be taught how to receive gratitude. And so, yes. And so that's one of that was one of our biggest uh, events that we had. We actually had some people show up just from the community because they saw our our information on our Eventbrite. And we were so uh, elated for that. But some other things we offer. So what we do is we offer wellness sessions uh, quarterly. On Saturdays, and those sessions um, include yoga, tai chi, mindful painting, and mindful pottery. And so uh, those are open to the community, all of our stakeholders. That's why we have that Eventbrite page. Um, We want to remove those barriers, right? So that's why it's free. And um, we want to begin to scale those things and be able to offer them more broadly. Right now, you know, most of the people who attend are our scholars, families and teachers. But um, we would we love it when people just kind of come in and say, hey, I saw this and I was interested. And I'm like, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so the way we do that is, you know, uh, it's kind of like on a rolling cycle. So. 
our schools, uh, each location will have a different activity. And then the next time we meet, that different activity will be at a different location. So maybe Hickory Hill had pottery. Well, next time it might be at the Southeast campus. And and that's just for equity, you know, making sure that maybe I go to Southeast and I wanted pottery. I don't have a way to get to Hickory Hill. If I can get to my school, then I can still, you know, participate. Um, some other things we do, uh, we had that cooking class. Like I said, we actually went down to Crosstown and we mm-hmm. went to the kitchen and it was so cute seeing the kids with their, it was a, it was actually a more dads than moms. I don't know if that, Come if on, the, dads. I know, right. I don't know if their wives were like, you need to go to this class. Yeah. I know how to cook. Um, is that in the church health <laughs> kitchen? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah we love and, that. um, and so they learned, you know, about a, uh, the health benefits of a Mediterranean diet, you know, and, and if you see the through line with all of that is that everything is based on education, right? So yes, we did gratitude journaling, but we learned about the health benefits of gratitude. Yes, we did the cooking, but we learned about the health benefits of a Mediterranean diet. So we always want them to walk away with something sometimes tangible, whether it's a yoga mat or something that, you know, or a journal or uh, something intellectual. Like now I know why it's good to have a Mediterranean diet. Now I know why it's important to say thank you. And I know how that, you know, helps someone else. Um, Some of the other uh, events we hosted were uh, we had our equine therapy again this year, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I am a equestrian. Uh, I love horses. I have my own horse. And so when we started horse's name, his name is Skip. Mm -hmm. He turns 23. This month. Oh, yes. happy birthday, Skip. Yes, happy birthday. My, I call him my blue-eyed old man. He's so cute. Mm. Um, but I started that as, uh, it started off, you know, on a whim, just as a, not even a hobby. I went with a friend and I got hooked and started taking lessons. But during that time, I was, you know, just a homebody, never getting out, never getting that vitamin D, you know, <laughs> and you notice it. And I, once I picked that up, it became my therapy. And so I was like, you know, this is something I always wanted as a child. I want to offer this, you know, like there's um, we're in Memphis. Right. So, of course, when I told my mom growing up, I wanted to do horses. She was like, we're in the mi- <laughs> where are you going to do horses? Right. So I wanted to remove that barrier for our stakeholders. And so when we started doing the wellness programs, I was like, we should do equine therapy, too. You know, I definitely had to like slide that in. <laughs> um, but, you know, I knew from personal experience uh, the benefits of it. And mm-hmm. so. We do that now annually. Uh, Last year, we had our first session at our Hickory Hill campus. That was so awesome and really cool to see horses off of Winchester. I mean, (laughs) they were literally at the Hickory Hill at our middle school, Hickory Hill on Winchester and Mendenhall. And uh, it, they brought six horses out. Uh, We partnered that year with the barn that I uh, where Skip is. Old West Special Trails, they uh, do homeschool classes and they do equine therapy with special needs children and and things like that. And so they brought Skip and some other uh, horses out and we had about 50 families out there doing pony rides, grooming, uh, feeding them treats. And then also in the rotation, they had a session with me where I kind of talked about the health benefits and uh, things like that. And then this year we partnered with Shelby Farms where we took. 50 families to Shelby Farms uh, to actually do kind of the same thing, grooming, tacking, and then actually going on a trail ride. And they absolutely loved it. So um, 
that was one of our bigger events uh, that we hosted, but it's definitely one of the most popular ones. So <laughs> we will continue to do those. Uh, but it's just exciting to have all of those things available for our stakeholders in, in the community. It's such a special range of experiences that I think mm-hmm. uh, I'm interested in how that reaches people that are at different points in their emotional journey and their social journey. But could you expand a little bit on what equine therapy yes, is and and how oh. that is beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. So basically equine therapy is um, it's a form of therapy that uses horses for many different reasons. It can be for um, a vet that has, you know, um, PTSD because it helps them with uh, stress and depression, anxiety. Horses are mirrors, we like to say. They can sense how you're feeling. And um, a good therapy horse will be able to, if you're stressed, they can kind of help to calm you just by grooming them. Uh, it's therapeutic. Or riding them, it clears your mind, right? But studies also show it helps to lower blood pressure. It helps with dementia patients. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it, it helps with um, over overall mental health just because it it really helps us like to de-stress uh but it helps with um what do you call it? uh concentration uh it just i mean the benefits are just they're amazing and when we talk about patience and resilience Try telling a two-ton animal what to do, right? (laughs) If you want to learn about how to take care of something outside of yourself, learn responsibility, empathy, horses can do that. And um, when you have the right place that does it right and well, I mean, it just it can be life changing. I think the sense of community that you're building through those programs is it's filling my cup in this conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, you mentioned breaking down barriers to access. And mm-hmm. I just it struck me the alignment of you being able to take people into one of America's largest urban parks mm-hmm. to ride horses and not only see themselves outside of the city, but mm-hmm. as part of yes. the community. I think that's just so special. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that that is so awesome. Like, I don't. I have not ridden horses very much, but when I have, it's always been this kind of like transcendent, magical right? experience. Like, whoa, here I am. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Well, and the other thing is we just want to get kids outside again, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because another thing we do is gardening, right? So next year we want to partner with Botanic Gardens to do a gardening class. Uh, when we were still doing it virtually, we just ordered the little gardening kits. And our implementation manager, again, Mark, he has a green thumb. I have a, a succulent in my office that just keeps wanting to die on me. And I just have him come over and I'm like, Mark, can you check on it? But um, we did the garden and parents loved it. They were able to kind of start their own herb garden. I mean, everything is just so interconnected, right? We talked about the benefits of those essential oils. Now we're going to teach you how to grow lavender. We're going to teach you how to grow chamomile. And then we're going to tell you what to do with it. You can make tea. You can infuse sugar. Um, And so... Uh, When we talk about just removing those barriers, it's not only a barrier to access, it's also barriers about just knowledge. Like a lot of people don't know that there are horses at Shelby Farms. A lot of people don't know that Botanic Garden offers gardening class. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So not only about removing the barriers uh, regarding transportation and finance, but also just knowing about the different things that Memphis has to offer. There's so many different avenues to wellness, uh, especially here in Memphis. And so uh, we really just take pride on just trying to do different things and, and open our stakeholders' eyes to different different experiences. 
How can community members get involved in the work that you're doing as individuals, as organizations, as companies? Are, are there opportunities for that? Absolutely. We love volunteers. <laughs> of course, all of our parents, once you enroll your scholar with us, you're immediately enrolled in what we call our PAC. That's our Parent Advisory Council. So, of course, they um, volunteer and things like that. But also, uh, we partner with Cigna. They offer volunteers. We had a wellness fair last year and they had volunteers come out to help us work the door, do the sign-in sheet, set up booths and things like that. Um, But, you know, if you're looking to volunteer or partner with us, you just reach out. All of our contact information is on our website. Uh, If you're interested and we are always looking for new community partners, sometimes we seek them out. Sometimes we just pass them on the street. Hey, how are you? You know, and then a new partnership is born. Another thing is our Eventbrite page. Uh, I think it's just nice team. I can look it up and we can. We'll put it in the show notes. Nice. Um, So nice. Nice. (laughs) All at once. (laughs) So, um, but our, our Eventbrite, page is really a good source to to contact to, to kind of get involved to attend some of those sessions again though um we can leave my information in my um implementation manager's information so that if somebody a, a business a local business who's like you know what i like for teacher appreciation when we talk about love radically we know teachers love their caffeine right so we had a local coffee (laughs) um place called woke coffee they came and set up you know so if it's somebody like that who's like i know educators you know i just want to give back or all those things you can always just reach out we are you know we're still small we're small but mighty Mm -hmm. but we're small enough that you know a quick email or phone call is still the best the best route that's awesome um, and as Gestalt community schools are working to build community, what does it mean to be doing that in Memphis? Mm-hmm. Does Memphis make your work special or, you know, how does that factor into the work that you do yeah. being in this city? Absolutely. Memphis, when we talk about our story, Memphis is like a character in our story. It is one of the main characters. It's it's made not only our our scholars who they are, our parents who they are, me, you know, born and raised here. Memphis is such a beautiful place and there's so many untapped talents and just gems here that we have not tapped into. And so when we talk about community, the people in our community are part of that what makes Memphis so special. And that's why we always try so hard to partner with people in the community. So we want to make sure too, that we're giving back to the community, not just in resources, but people. So for us, when a scholar finishes with us and graduates and then comes back to the community to teach, we have so many of our alumni now in our classrooms teaching. And they're some of our strongest teachers because they literally have their legacy Right. They've lived and breathed the Gestalt DNA. They've lived and breathed what it means to love radically. They've had that. They know what it means to be invested in deeply. And so they're a part of what makes Memphis community so strong. And we want to keep them coming back. Right. A lot of times the stories you hear, people are successful and they leave Memphis. We want them to bring their talents back home. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what really makes it big for us is when we talk about community, we want to continue to help the community thrive. It's beautiful. It's doing well. But we always want to make sure that we're bringing resources back and reinvesting in the community who helped to make us. 
Absolutely. And it sounds like you're, you're, you know, helping to create like this great generation of like smart, thoughtful, (laughs) self-aware, like community leaders. And that's just awesome. We're all about that. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Our scholars are, they're just so amazing to see them. A few of the ones who are teaching now uh, were seniors the year that I was a ninth grade school counselor. And I just can almost be brought to tears when I see them in their classrooms with one of them uh, is teaching uh, elementary class. And she also teaches the cheer team. Journey Pruitt is she's so special. But when we talk about our different um, values and things like that, like we have a huge entrepreneurial focus. As soon as she graduated, she had a subscription box that she was doing. (laughs) Right. And um, and so just to see them, like I said, bringing those talents back home is is really what we want to do, because if if the talent keeps leaving, it's just a vicious cycle. Right. So we want to make sure that all that talent comes home after they go to school and and want them to come back and then send them to New Memphis. And like, yes, absolutely. Hey, they can hang out with us, especially your teachers for our our teacher education programming. We have some resources that we'll be sure to share with you and Please. also link in the show notes today because um, yes, we want to make sure our teachers are filling their cups from every angle. Absolutely. And our kids at the high school want to do podcasts, so they'll be excited to hear this. They Yay. are super excited about that. <laughs> Hi, scholars. Hello. Yes. You're the best. <laughs> oh, I'm just so energized. I oh, know. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love this. What's next on the horizon? Yeah. Ooh, um, so what's next? We are going to continue to build on what we have, right? Also, what we're working on currently is um, our graduate aims. And so those are the things that we aim to have our graduates meet by the time they graduate from us. And our focuses are being a personal historian, courageous explorer, and a community contributor. And so what we're currently working on is building that curriculum so that at every grade level, K through 12, they're having authentic experiences to help them become those things. And each year they get a badge like my, you know, I'm a a kindergartner and as a personal historian now I know what it means to be a part of a family and I know my family tree. But then by the end of it, you know, we've partnered with Ancestry.com. We're actually the only school in the nation that's partnering with them aside from a uh, a community college so yes wow that is awesome absolutely and so our ninth graders they all get an ancestry kit and they get to start that journey with their families Uh, each scholar gets one a parent gets one and they begin to kind of map that out and by the time they graduate they have a biography they have this body of work uh, this portfolio that tells you know who am I? Right. We really believe that in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you come from. You have to know your family history and also to know how do I show up in the community? Uh, and so uh, we're working on that as well as, you know, the courageous explorer. It builds on personal historian. Well, once I know who I am now, I want to go explore. Right. I want to go outside of my community. And I want to see how different cultures do things. I want to go to Shelby Farms because the the park in my neighborhood is very different. And I want to go down to Crosstown and go to the listening lab and learn about different genres of music and um, and be courageous in that. Because a lot of times when you go explore, you're going to encounter things that are new. And that takes courage. Mm -hmm. And then our community contributor, uh, we're building to just help them 
they're already so community minded, right? And and very selfless and wanting to give back. But how do you really do that on a larger scale? So finding those things and barriers from the community and then how do I contribute? How do we begin to remove those barriers? There are so many food deserts in Memphis. Scholars work on projects to try to solve those problems um, and, and get involved in that. So that's one of the big things is getting that curriculum so that scholars can start doing that. And it's a family approach. So they do these things, you know, it's facilitated by the teacher, but these things are done at home with their parents and their and their siblings because, you know, we have generations in our schools. Some of our families have a scholar in elementary, middle and high. <laughs> and so these things are aligned so that they can do them together and, and begin to grow as a family unit. That's so awesome. I, I've <laughs> loved hearing you talk and I'm just so thankful for the work that you do and Thank the work you. that your schools are doing in Absolutely. the community. It's just great. It's yes. It's so cool. And. I want to go back to school so I can be <laughs> I, part of it. You know what? But I think that too. And I'm like, man, I, I would love to attend a school yeah. like this. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Especially the personal historian. Like that is so cool and not something that I experienced when I was in school. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Awesome. I mean, I, I think I remember maybe doing a family tree. Yeah, but I definitely familiar. did not start learning about my genealogy and, right. and my origin of how my family came to Memphis and things like that. But it's just so powerful once yeah. they see those results and they they learn about, you know, wow, my family was, you know, my great ancestors were on the trail of tears. And mm-hmm. and now I know why my family, when that unit comes up in social studies, why we don't talk about it. Like that's literally something that one of our scholars said. And so just very eye opening, but very powerful. Yeah. Being able to understand your history so that you can build the best possible future. That's such a powerful piece of curriculum mm-hmm. that you're building. Thank you. Absolutely. We're really excited about that. We are, too. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) Well, Carrie, is there anything that we didn't cover today that you would like to share? Um, No, I think, I mean, those were all great questions. I hope I answered everything. Um, Oh, yes. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think we covered a lot. I think that's good. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your time and wisdom with us. Absolutely. I mean, I just appreciate you all reaching out. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) They saw the article. They want to what? I was like, absolutely. I'll come and talk about Gestalt. Yes, that's just that's one of the easy things to do. Like talking about Gestalt and uh, our nice department. It's one of the things with Gestalt is the people who work there. Like we really are like a family. And uh, I can honestly say that every day at work is not work. I mean, it's passion, but also because they do so much to pour back in us. It's just you want to talk, have somebody talk about Gestalt, we can talk. (laughs) Well, I can see it when you talk about it. Like listeners don't get to see, but like Carrie is lighting up, like talking about these programs, (laughs) which is like so great to see and like so energizing to to get to listen to. I love it. Thank you. There's a big difference in putting in effort and putting in work. I think effort is so passion based. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's how I like to approach relationships. They take in in any work that I'm doing and, you know, I'm putting in the effort, but it doesn't feel burdensome in the way that I think we traditionally understand the word work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. So, Rebecca, my cheeks hurt from smiling, because <laughs> just imagining these kids and uh, their families getting to, I shouldn't call them kids, they're scholars. scholars. They're scholars. And their families getting to enjoy all of these programs um, that are so awesome for the community. 
It's such a special thing that's going on um, through the NICE program specifically, mm-hmm. but throughout all of the work that Gestalt Community Schools are doing. Um, it's incredible to hear from folks who not only try to uh, infuse good work and support for scholars, but for the teachers and the rest of the academic community as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so some of the things that Carrie was talking about remind me of some talks from TEDx Memphis 2023. And if anyone's interested in learning more, we're going to put those um, those talks in the show notes. So if you want to learn more about um, different innovative ways of teaching, we've got David Jameson's talk. If you want to learn about gardening and how it can benefit you and your community, we've got Kim Halliak's talk. If you're interested in horses um, <laughs> and the leadership lessons yeah. they can teach us, yeah, we've got a we've got a great talk from Kathleen Terry Sharp about that. So so check that out. We've got lots of um, great intersections there. Speaking of intersections, uh, as we were talking about educators in this episode, we uh, at New Memphis are still accepting Educator of Excellence nominations. Uh, These will be live through June 30th. This is an excellent way for you to elevate the work of a teacher in our community, or if you are one of those teachers, nominate uh, yourself, apply. Um, Not only do they receive accolades, but they also receive a $1,500 award from the Cruz Family Foundation. So we are uh, excited to see this applicant pool, but go ahead and get those nominations and applications in before June 30th. Mm -hmm. And if you yourself are a scholar, if you are a current college student, um, we've got the launch of the kickoff of our summer experience, which is a series of awesome, awesome events uh, that we have lined up for you. The kickoff is this Thursday, June 8th. Uh, You're definitely going to want to check that out. Check out our website to see the full lineup at newmemphis.org. We also have another awesome event coming up this month, June 22nd. We have um, Memphis 101. We do this series. This one will be at Penny Hardaway Hall of Fame on the University of Memphis campus from 5.30 to 7.30. We'll have snacks and drinks. Um, the program will be hosted by Janie Red and yours truly. And Memphis 101 is basically like a crash course in all things Memphis. Memphis culture, history, it's part networking. It's a really, really fun time, whether you're from Memphis or whether you are new to Memphis. You are bound to learn something new and to meet someone new. Love it. Well, if you can't join us for any of those We'll see you on the radio next week. See ya. This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.